estate happenings, your go-to podcast for all things real estate. This week, I'm thrilled to have an incredible guest on the show, meet Jennifer Delaney, a seasoned realtor and a passionate advocate for transforming spaces into thriving communities. Jennifer brings over 20 years of construction and real estate investment experience to her work. One of her most notable projects is the development of tiny home community in Galveston, Texas. Jennifer, tell me all about yourself. How did you get started? I mean, where do we start? There's so many questions that I have. Tell me about yourself first. Well, I'm a native Houstonian. Um, I grew up in Bel Air, and um, but not the Bel Air, not the fancy Bel Air that you see right now. My my house was literally three bedroom, one bath. Um, so I met my husband there. Um, we've been married for 23 years. We've worked together. Um, I was a teacher for 10, and um, I really love teaching. There's so many similarities between teaching and real estate. It's incredible. Um, basically, you're, you have a classroom. You have your own business. It's a lot of similarities. And um, so, um, you know, I decided to stop teaching because it's, it's a lot of work. I don't think people realize. But now I've realized that real estate is a lot of work. It is a well. lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, but, you know, growing up in Houston, I just, uh, you know, I always had, like, an affinity for my neighborhoods that I loved. Um, I loved West U, but I always loved the bungalows. Like, I loved the Heights, but I always loved the bungalows. I love River Oaks, but I like the older, you know, homes. So, for some reason, I just kind of gravitate to, you know, smaller living spaces. For some reason, I just find them to be really quaint and cozy. I like the architecture of them um so you know that's that's kind of i just always remember driving through neighborhoods and being like oh my gosh i love that house i love that house i love this neighborhood so you know that's that's just kind of how i am well you are known for tiny homes anytime that i hear the word tiny homes i think jennifer delaney how did that start did you and your husband just wake up and say i love tiny homes let's do it tell us how that started no 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 no. so what happened is we had been in um, multifamily. So we owned an apartment complex. We totally repositioned it out in, um, in Orange, Texas. So we were trying to 1031 some money. And this was like when multifamily was just per door through the roof. It was unbelievable. If you could even find something, to be honest with you. And it was right before COVID. And so he was feverishly looking on the computer. So he's like, hey, let's go look at this piece of land. It's kind of interesting. It has a duplex on it in Galveston. And so we went out there to go look at it, and um, at that time, um, you know, I, I, I didn't have my real estate license. So I had been, you know, doing my fix and flips. You know, I was in it from the investor point of view, in multifamily point of view, but not from the, the, the real estate point of view. And so he, you know, our broker that we went out and, uh, you know, showed us the land, he was like, hey, y'all should build these tiny homes. This girl on the island is building them, and she's killing it price per square feet she's like like setting comps all day long and so I get on her Instagram and I take a look at these tiny homes and I immediately fall in love with them like immediately it goes back to that whole like power of social media the power of social media it was incredible so I DM her and we meet and I'm like I would love to collab with you I love these homes um 
And so that's how we got into them. I mean, we had never done a ground up, but we knew building, we knew windstorm, we knew what you had to build in Galveston. You need the basics to get started. You have to have the basics. You have to have a clear understanding. So um, basically then I get on the internet and I start looking for floor plans, and you know, homes that I like, tiny homes. So generally a tiny home is considered to be like a 400 to like 600 square feet. Even some of them are smaller than that. They're footprints. Gosh. I know. So my, have you ever lived in a tiny home? No, but the girl that we build with, she lives in a tiny home in East downtown and it's literally 600 square feet, two bedroom, two bath. Oh my yes. goodness. It's the one that I actually have. It's salt and honey mine that I'm launching this week. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you meet her, you love the tiny home concept. How many homes, how many tiny homes have you built? So far, we've built nine tiny homes. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you decided, tell me, before we started the podcast, you talked about how you're keeping one of them. I'm um, keeping one of them, yes. So I had been selling them, and, and this is a project that, I, that I'm completely invested in. So, you know, I, I sold some, you know, to keep funding my project. And um, among other things, you know, it seems like I have too many prongs in the fire, but I like to roll like that. So it keeps you, it all just, just keeps you going. Yeah. So, um, so the, one of my homes, I do an Airbnb arbitrage. So basically it's a sublease. She leases it from me and she rents it out for her Airbnb. So, you know, I, I was talking to her and I, you know, she's like, yeah, I made $7,000 in May. Okay, so for everyone that's watching that is not familiar with Airbnb and the way that it works, walk us through it. You just said a word that I want you to talk about the definition. What does that mean? Arbitrage. Yes. Okay, so this was funny too. So the first time, I had never heard of this word, okay? And arbitrage. So, arbitrage, okay. So there is a, um, a niche within Airbnb that people that can't afford their own investments at this time, what they do is they arbitrage. So it's a sublease where they go and find a property, they rent it long-term from the owner. When you say long-term, are we talking 12 months? 12 months to two years. So she's leasing okay. mine for two years. Okay. If I was going to accept another Airbnb arbitrage, I would not accept anything less than, I would say two years. Um, just because you're locked in, you know? And the cool thing about arbitrage from from a, a, a long-term rental standpoint as an, a, a, as an owner is that you don't have to deal with any of the maintenance. It's, it's basically long-term lease. So your hands are out of that property. They take care of all the, uh, the furnishings. They get an Airbnb ready. They um, take care of all the maintenance of the house. They take care of all the yard work. Anything that happens, it's on them. So for anybody that's watching that thinks they can't Airbnb because they don't own real estate, that is incorrect. That is incorrect. You can actually go out and I want to dummy it down because I do get a lot of these questions. And even for myself, someone had to dummy it down for me because yeah. when you think Airbnb, there's so many different levels to it. Absolutely. So you don't need to buy real estate. Nope. You get into a long-term lease. Yes, ma'am. As long as the owner agrees that yes. you can sublease it, of yes. course. That's yes. a very important piece and a lot of people miss that. Yes. And then this individual furnishes the house. Yes, ma'am. And gets it Airbnb ready. Yes, ma'am. I mean, if that is not the perfect scenario on how to make additional income, guys, oh, write this down. Everybody it is. watching, 
Preston, you included. Right the first there. time that I heard about it is I put one of my homes on long-term lease and because there's a strong market for that in Galveston because there's not a lot of apartments over there. There's not a lot of multifamily. Right. And they have, you know, they have a lot of industries over there that require, um, that, that require, you know, rentals, long-term rents. And so I got a phone call and this girl was like, hey, actually I got a few phone calls. And so I literally thought it was a scam. I thought, okay, this person. I remember you calling me and asking me about this. Yes. Do you think this is a scam, Nancy? And I was like, I don't think so. Yes. I thought it was a scam. I, I was like, oh my God, they're going to try to be squatters in my house. Like I was freaking <laughs> out. So I asked for references and like I, w I went down a rabbit hole um, about this person. So I had about three different people that wanted to arbitrage my house and I really cherry-picked the person that I wanted to arbitrage. What made you pick that individual? Okay, you want me to tell you? Yes. Because, number one, she had great Everyone references. Everyone listen. <clears throat> listen up. This is important. Yeah, she had great references. Um, she, was an, she was a teacher, ninth grade algebra teacher. I love me some teachers. A girl, I love me They're some the teachers. They're the best realtors. They are. And I just want to say my executive assistant used to be a teacher. Yes, I know. <laughs> she is the best. She's the best. And so, therefore, they're organized. Um, they understand liabilities because a large part of teaching is understanding liabilities in the classroom. Um, and so, and she was hungry. And so, because she wanted to get out of teaching, she was tired. She had... Um, you know, her kids were, you know, in elementary school. Same reason why, you know, I wanted to get out of teaching. Absolutely. I wanted to be with, you know, I wanted to have some flexibility. And so that's why I chose her, to be honest with you. You found someone. You've cherry-picked this individual. Yes. She pays you... $2,200 a month. $2,200 a month. Mm -hmm. And she's making 7000 a month. How, did that, how does that math work? You know what? This is another reason why I picked her is because um, she because she understands the algorithms so well when she goes in and she's really able to manipulate her prices for um, for whatever's happening in Galveston. She really she has her finger on the pulse of Galveston. Number one, she understands the rental the short term rental market in Galveston. Galveston is not like Destin where people plan a vacation and they plan it for like you know, the whole year and they just all can't wait to go for that one week. It's a very last minute type of like, hey, we're going to go to Galveston this weekend kind of thing. I mean, how many times have we all said that? You know, let's we do that all, all the, the time. time. Exactly. So people even go down there for the day and then they were like, oh, we let's just stay for the night. So she really understands the algorithm that goes into your, you know, manipulating that price. So after you said, okay, I'm getting 2200 a month, mm -hmm. she is leasing from me, making 7000 a <laughs> yeah. month, which yeah. is awesome, from an Airbnb, I'm going to keep one of my tiny homes. Yes. Okay. 100%. So with that, we're going to pause on Airbnb. I promised to do another podcast just on arbitrage, just on Airbnb. Right. Jennifer's going to educate us on that. Yes. Going back to tiny homes. Okay. How does that price compare to a regular home? Well, first of all, it's furnishing it is a lot less. I mean, think about furnishing a four-bedroom house versus for furnishing a little two-bedroom house. Um, you know, I can I can get a tiny home up and running for about five thousand dollars, all in. Wow. So, I mean, that to me, you, you you're going to spend at least twenty doing it for, for a four bedroom house. Right. So that alone, you know, your, your initial expenses going into it are a lot lower because it is a smaller home. 
um, turning your maintenance issue, your maintenance, your cleaning fees, getting it turned over quickly is another thing with Airbnb. You want to be able to turn that home over quickly. So those costs are lower. Your time is money, you know? Who are you seeing that is purchasing these tiny homes? Is it young professionals? Is it empty nesters that just want a second home? No. Okay, so oddly enough, the people that I see buying tiny homes are a lot of real estate agents. Three of my people that have bought my tiny homes are all real estate agents. And oddly enough, two of them are from Colorado. Wow. I know. So they're people that are looking for an investment property. Um, a lot of them, this is their first investment property, which I highly recommend starting small with your first investment property. And a tiny home is a perfect way to do that. You just, your, your learning curve is not so, it's, it's greater where you're going to be able to, your little hiccups and your mistakes, you can financially absorb them a little bit easier than you can with a larger home. Wow. That is a very good point. Yes. So for all of the individuals that are watching, including my team that is in the room, you guys should all be purchasing tiny homes. Yes. So call Jennifer Delaney because yes. she can sell you one. Yes. I mean, if you think about it, you I can still fit, you know, beds and heads in the bed. That's like a tag word that everybody. In heads the, in the bed? Heads in the bed. I had never heard of that. Yes. You I haven't heard of that. that? No. Yes. So that's like heads in the bed, man. That's what, that's Airbnb. You want to, you know, how many people can you fit? you know, in this house to sleep. And so I can actually sleep six people in my tiny home. Wow. I love that. Okay. So me and my kids fit. So we can yes. totally go. Super cozy. <laughs> it is. When you think of tiny homes, I have heard sustainable living. Yes. Why do the two have to do with one another? Well, because number one, your footprint is smaller. Um, and you, it's, it's really, and, and I experienced this when I travel um, because I, I love to travel. You were asking me earlier about myself. Um, we, and when I travel, I like to really immerse myself in the culture. I like to live like locals. Um, and so I really kind of, I marvel, especially like when I go to Costa Rica, we had a house in Costa Rica. My husband loves to surf. So we, we've gone there. We, I, I had a house there for a long time. And they, the simple, the simple way that they live is mesmerizing to me. And our footprints here are so large. Our consumables are so large that when you go into a tiny home or a smaller space, it's really, it's really quite liberating and it's very refreshing and almost like a purge and a cleanse to live in a smaller space with smaller footprints using smaller things and it really like allows you to kind of look and see around you in the world and how we can all kind of be better humans and not be such large consumers you know i had never thought about it that way yeah we, we it's kind of incredible i mean i'll go to costa rica for like a month or you know two or three months and the way that i live or i go to nicaragua or wherever and then i come back and it's like wow i mean it's it's almost like sensory overload of how much stuff and how many things that are at our disposal to either you know restaurants um, you know, our own homes, how many cars. I mean, I have four cars, four cars. There's some people that, that and in get, Costa Rica, you're riding a bike, you're riding a bike. <laughs> 
And I'm like, I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go to Costa Rica. We're going to stay for three weeks. And um, we're, we rented a small little condo or a little apartment that we always rent. And, and one of our big things is like, we don't want to drive a car. We're going to walk and we're going to go ride a bike. We get an electric bike too. Oh, wow. That's very fancy now. <laughs> yes. Jose yeah. loves his electric yeah. bikes. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's a challenge to yourself to, to live like that. You know, I, and I really like it because it just it just creates a more simplistic thought process and, and point of view so that when you come back here, you you kind of have a, a, more, a little bit more of an appreciation. Right. You know, so if someone if I mean, I've talked about building tiny homes for a while, just watching you, you totally inspired me <laughs> for everyone that's watching. If they said, what are the three steps to building a tiny home. What would you say? Design. Zoning? Okay, so First, design. Design. You you can have a, you can have 600 square feet and it can feel like a thousand. You have to maximize your spaces. That's the most important thing. There's design elements in tiny homes that I think are very very important. Um, one is you, you know, you want to make sure you have those high ceilings because that gives it a bigger feel and that doesn't expand your footprint here, you know, vertically it, you know, it, or horizontally it, you know, you want to expand your footprint horizontally. Okay. So, um, or for horizontal vertically. Yeah. I always so, say vertical. Yeah. So, you know, those things also organization, you want to make sure that everything has a place. It, there's no wasted space at all. You can fit two bedrooms and two baths in 600 square feet and it will not feel like it. Everybody that walks into my homes are like, wow, this does not feel like 600 square feet. Wow. Yeah. So that's number one. Um, number two, your outdoor living space is very important. Okay. Because for my homes, I have in Galveston, I have 600 square feet, but I also have 600 square feet of downstairs living space that I put a cowboy pool. I have, um, uh, a, a little sitting area for those watching that don't know what a cowboy oh my god is, they're what is so it? they're so awesome i'm completely addicted to them um they have their own instagram they're out of austin and basically they're stock pools that like you would find on the farms and we've created they've created um little cowboy pools go on instagram and look at them you like i decked it out i put like lighting i have like a little uh wall with i want a cowboy pool now oh my god every i want a cowboy pool too they're so cute okay so design design number one outdoor living space number okay. two and i think um also location um you know you you want to make sure you know you can build a tiny home in some of the most expensive locations of of all of the united states you know if you want to have a place in Destin, million dollars, do a tiny home. You know, you're still there. Right. You know, so that's where you're finding most of your tiny homes are in really, really great locations um, in uh, locations that are very expensive to get into real estate investing wise. With that advice, design outdoor space and then location. location. What about zoning? What kind of, I mean, in Houston, we don't have to deal with that. Right. But even say if I'm in Colorado or if I'm thinking, if I live in Miami or I just love Miami, just got back from Miami. I so if Miami I'm in too. Miami and I say, I want to build some tiny homes, what, 
state would you recommend? Well, okay, so I don't know their building codes, but I do know like in Miami, you're gonna have to build a windstorm. So anytime you're on the coast, you have to really consider where you're, you know, where you're building. If you're on the coast, that's gonna affect your building costs. Um, you have to be aware of those things. Um, and really with the tiny home, it's about the, how the land is platted out. So you own that land and if you want to put two tiny homes on 5,000 square feet, then that, that's where you have to really think about it. That's where you have to go to your local, you know, permitting office. You've got to get an architect um, and, you know, in, in, that knows tiny spaces. Um, and so I think that that's a very important aspect of it. Get an architect. Get an architect and get a builder that knows how to build tiny homes. Don't just say, oh, I have this floor plan. Can you build me this tiny home? Because they might not know how to build a tiny home. They right. don't know what goes into it. I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, a custom home builder that can go and build $5 million homes over in River Oaks. I know. I stay in my lane. You right. Know? So you want somebody that knows that. So you, you have a niche. You focus yes. on one thing, which is something that I tell everyone in their business. You have to focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. You can't sell insurance. You can't sell cars. Build houses and sell them. That's a lot of specialties that you have to be in. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But with, and I think also with, with the tiny home, for me, like, I'm a little bougie, you know? I'm a little bougie. <laughs> so I, I can walk into a home and I can, I can name every name brand of whatever is in that home. I see if it has marble. I see builder grade. I see custom. We didn't talk about the finishes. So what do the finishes look like in a tiny home? So for, it, they can look like anything that you want. But for me, I like to put marble in because it feels high end at that point. You know, okay. so I put marble in all my homes. Um, I do custom cabinets in all my homes because I want every space to be usable. Um, so, you know, I like to use, um, you know, high end furniture, little, you know, little, I, I just, I just think it feels better. It feels nicer. I put in the best beds that I can, you know, that, that are out there. I put in the best sheets. I put in the best blank. Everything is the best inside the tiny home. Everything. Yeah. It's about the experience as it, well. You know, and that's exactly that. So that segues me. Tiny homes are an experience. In Airbnb, they have their own category that you can advertise your home in, in tiny homes. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing. So much education. It is the teacher in you. It is the teacher and in me. <laughs> we'll have to do a part two for sure. Oh, yeah. Be sure to follow Jennifer on social media at Delaney underscore builds. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel to watch more podcasts like this. Hit that subscribe button and the bell.